Hi, this is The Rocker Recovery, and I am Angie Meadows. And I'm William Bond. Yeah, this is Josh's little brother. We've been praying him in here for a long time. So we're on The Rocker Recovery Relationship Addiction book, and it's Lesson 3, and it's called Relationship Addictions. And we are going to work through this book little by little. It's 300 pages, 22 chapters. We're going to work through all kinds of topics. So today we're going to hit a few topics, and then we're going to expand those as we go through this book. Uh, these will be posted on the Rocker Recovery podcast for you to listen to later. So kick us off, Will. Rock uh, Recovery, uh, Relationship Addiction. If I'm not content alone, I will never be content with another person. There's a difference between having a, an exciting companion and being able to fully know and truly be loved by another. If you are magnetically attracted to a person, it could be that you have activated a trauma bond. Ooh, a trauma bond. Okay, trauma bond is a feeling of magical connectedness. It feels familiar because it is like a dysfunctional dynamic in an earlier relationship. So, like, if my parent was emotionally unavailable, I may very well end up with an emotionally unavailable person. And it's not going to seem like that at the beginning, but six months, six years later, I'm going to be like, look at that. I just pulled my dad to myself and didn't know it. <laughs> so it most likely mirrors a childhood relationship with demanding emotionally unavailable or narcissistic parents. This familial, fam familiar magical connection may suck you into toxic patterns of relating and repetitive patterns of dysfunction. You may interpret behaviors through distorted lenses of reality. The familiarity of the toxicity will feel like home. So it'll be impossible to break this bond, uh, near impossible. And we're, as we go through this book, we're gonna see exactly why people keep returning to domestic violence and why they're so powerless. Here we go. Possibly you have regressed emotionally and feel compelled to ignore all the red flags and let the relationship play out. Or it could be that you are an object to be controlled and are naive and simple, simply being reeled, reeled in. And a lot of times, uh, Will, if we get into relationships in early recovery, uh, man, we're starving, emotionally uh, starving for to be nurtured and, and to have the affection. And this will bring somebody to us that's also broken. Yes. That doesn't have the ability to uh, sustain a solid relationship. So how long would you think people need to wait in, in recovery before they actually can start a healthy relationship? I would probably suggest at least a year. Yeah, at, at least the minimum. a year. At the minimum. And a lot of it depends upon how well you're progressing. So maybe you have something the person needs or desires, or maybe you just came out of a toxic relationship and the love bombing with this new person is comforting, and you don't recognize the addictive relationship patterns. So the, the lesson is, so we're going to talk about uh, love bombing. Love, love bombing is intense, <clears throat> overwhelming, exaggerating. Is that right? Uh -huh, exaggerated. Affection at the beginning of a relationship. Oh, yeah, it feels good. <laughs> this can look and feel like the normal honeymoon phase in a healthy relationship. Time will tell if this is the beginning of a relationship addiction cycle or e even the, the ploy of a groomer who is attempting to extort you for a game. It could be a narcissistic player needing to get their emotional high met 
with the hunt and chase of a new relationship but have no clue how to develop a healthy relationship. Think slow, time, distance, space, and not sexual intimacy for months. You will thank me later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, healthy relationships start just like toxic relationships. They start with that honeymoon phase, that love bombing. So you're not going to know if this person has strong foundational character of faithfulness, of gentleness, of forgiveness, unless you've gone through a couple seasons with them, unless you've watched them in other relationships. If all their other relationships are haphazard or broken or they can't hold a job, uh, I think you've got some hints here that this is going to be a relationship that's going to be really rocky and it's not going to form into healthy relationships. And I think a lot of times, well, we think we can save another person. We think if we just love them enough that they'll come up. <laughs> so let's see what happens after the honeymoon phase. After the honeymoon phase of a relationship, it will be characterized by steady growth and maturity. Unity and connection, connectedness will develop with mutual respect and dependability. The couple will develop common goals this is healthy. Yeah. So if you grow and you mature together during that um, friendship phase and you really take the time to vet this relationship to see if it's going to be healthy, you're going to go towards common goals. So, But what if, there is, if it is a relationship addiction? How are we going to know that? Right there. there. Well, there will be anxiety, yep. confusion, and difficulty regulating emotions. It may be a push-pull relationship with lots of red flags but the love bombing may be blocking your in intuition. intuition like clouds can block the sun if you have previously been ignored and rejected in close relationship this type of attention can feel validating and supportive the constant attention or excessive texting feels pleasant and not obsessive or controlling by the time you figure out the relationship has toxic qualities, if you let it move too fast, you may be stuck. Hmm. Locked in, stuck. And, and I think one of the reasons we're locked in and stuck is because this person has shared all their old rejection wounds. And you know that if you back up right now, all that's going to get triggered and they're going to relapse. Um, they may even be suicidal. They, they, they may even die of overdose. And so it's almost like you'll, you'll fit junk into places that should never have fit and you'll tolerate things you should never tolerate uh, just so you don't hurt the person because you kind of got in too fast and now you feel responsible during that love bombing phase you may have made promises you may have uh, said things that now you're like oh my goodness I was talking to a person I thought they were but that's not who they are so keep going when you are stuck emotionally in a toxic relationship the confusion is high mm, that's key is, is there a lot of confusion around this relationship? You have been groomed not to trust your instincts. As soon as you see a trait or potentially lethal to the relationship and acknowledge it open, openly, the love bombing will reemerge. Yeah, so you could say something like, you know, that feels very controlling. Uh, don't dominate me in that area. And immediately they'll back up and they'll do the whole love bomb thing again. <laughs> it won't be as intense as it was at the beginning, but it'll be enough to put you back on the hook and to confuse you where you don't, you you have this um, uh, euphoric high with that healthy feel of a relationship when it's not healthy at all. It's, it's a facade here. So, 
Although the intense alternativeness reemerges, it will never be as intox- intoxicating as it was at the beginning when you were the center of the universe. The previous love bombing was so pleasant, you may be willing to settle for crumbs waiting on the romantic intensity to return. The phase, This phase is the addictive lure of the relationship that keeps you on the hook. Yeah, it's a lure. It's like a fishing lure. <laughs> so it's very intoxicating um, to have that magical connection. So you speak about magical connection and how blessed you are to have found this fairy tale with the relation when the relationship begins. In a toxic relationship, when the love bombing phase diminishes, you are on the hook. Your happiness is being controlled depending upon your conformity to the new identity that is being shaped. So this person doesn't have their own identity, and so... Um, they hook into you, you become their source, and now they need to consume you to control you for fear that you're going to leave. And so all of a sudden you start becoming somebody different than who you are. You don't understand your identity as being torn down and reshaped through a technique called gaslighting. Gaslighting is part of the grooming process. It denies your reality and breaks your identity and mentally reshapes you into thinking you're crazy. Oh, yeah. If you fight back, you're facing a bully and confused. You begin to assume responsibility for the emotional stability. Next, they are wounds, wounded victims that trigger the nurture in you. Okay, so this is the domestic violence cycle. Can you see it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and it's so confusing. So if you're in a confusing relationship, I want you to back up. I want you to just, you don't have to make any decisions. Just tell me you need a little space and see what happens. <laughs> see if they're like, okay, I respect that boundary. Or if they're like, heck no, you're either on this side or that side. <laughs> Soon you are managing their emotions and propping them up for their despair. You are the new savior. What would they do without you? Emotionally, you start to become so confused on this person that you completely lose your goals and direction in life. Most likely, you have previously formed a fake self and don't have a strong identity. <clears throat> a person with strong identity will exit this unstable relationship quickly. Okay, so a fake self. So as children, if we grew up in domestic violence, if we grew up with toxic parents that we had to prop up and we were responsible for their emotions, you know, you go upstairs, everything's fine. You come down, you're going to get beat because the dish rag went hung the right way. So if you, you learn to become either the really good child that does everything right, or you learn to absolutely lay in the floor and throw fits for an hour so you could at least get a crumb of attention. <laughs> so it goes either way. So you didn't form your own identity. You didn't form your own self. So in early recovery, what you're doing is learning who you are and who you are not and what you will and will not put up with. And we're going to go through a lot of this and give some um, healing and some training on how to develop this. A person who never fully forms their own identity will stay just to see where it goes. The roller coaster of toxic relationship is addictive. If you grew up in a home with extravagant highs and lows, emotional highs and lows emotions 
this feels normal. Yeah, yeah. So I know that when I got with my husband, I had been raised in domestic violence. So when I got with my husband, he was very peaceful, very gentle. Well, I could have a whole entire meltdown over something trivial, um, you know, like where his shoes were, where what the, the dishes in the sink. I mean, I and and then I realized. I mean, it didn't take me very long to realize that. Wait a minute, I'm the one causing the chaos here. I'm the one acting like one of my parents. Um, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to make. A mountain out of something that's temporary instead I'm not gonna fuss about anything that's not eternal and that really helped me to set that boundary up with myself because I was so used to that up and down feeling normal in a relationship so let's look at pseudo loyalty pseudo loyalty to the other will demand you stay oh wow yeah <laughs> a healthy person will know this is toxic loyalty that requires you to abandon your own self this is not loyalty at all, but self-abandonment characteristic, guys. How did, characteristic yeah. of an enabling rescuer. rescuer. It is like loyalty to a poisonous snake that will bite you. Healthy love, healthy self-love will want emotionally, emotional stability in a partner who cherishes them as an individual and does try to dominate or control them. Okay, so there's a difference between being cherished and being controlled. So if you're cherished in a relationship, man, you are safe to grow. You're safe to develop your own safe self and safe to come and go and have likes this year that you don't have next year. You're free to change and develop your own personality. But if you're in a dominant, controlling relationship, you're not. You're not safe. Instead, you've got to conform at all times and walk on eggshells. So let's look at toxic partners. Toxic partners begin to reshape your thinking and tell you who you are and what you will do, what you will and will not do. The next moves are possessive, possessive and sharing. But it is them possessing your property and you share everything. <laughs> Keep going. Everything belongs to them. You're not likely allowed to have your own emotions and are required to drop everything at a moment's notice. You will even be called selfish or other derogatory, derogatory names if you establish a boundary. This is another manipulative, manip, manipulative bullying, gaslighting tactic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're told what you think and what you feel. And if you start fighting back, sometimes you got to fight back because you feel yourself losing yourself. And so you start fighting back, just trying to maintain your own identity. Well, you're the bad guy now. <laughs> the root of this issue is that they do not have their own identity and are developing it within the relationship with you. Their ways are movable. They do not even know who they are or what they think. So today they might be happy when you do this, but then tomorrow they'll be unhappy when you do the same thing. So it's not, there's not, the, the mark is always moving, so you don't know where the safety line is. Any no may be challenging. If you persist with a boundary, it is likely you will be called cruel, mean, and uncaring. Sometimes if you need something, they will ask nicely. Other times they will just take it. The attempt to make themselves indispensable in your life. They tell you that they need you to survive and you need them. They start making decisions for you. After all, they know what's best for you. So there's a um, an enmeshment that happens here. There's a where 
they literally overpower me and I'm like get very very small uh, if I try to fight back they come after me and dominate me to the point that, that I'm invisible and it's literally I'm literally arguing with an irrational person so let's read about this enmeshment enmeshment begins early they become throughout thoroughly 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 entrenched in your life boundaries are pushed through and your permission of course after a flipping of words mixed with charm or pouting you have no clue which way is up or down (laughs) keep going the entangling from their person will be messy and may take an act of congress if you try to divorce somebody like this you're gonna have a fight especially if there's children involved and just know that uh if you're not divorcing a person that's abusing you consistently because you're afraid of this fight that you're going to have to get a backbone and you're going to have to get a lot of support and you're going to have to disentangle yourself slowly empower yourself in other ways secretly until you have the confidence to um, untangle this mess and get out okay where's your superpower your superpower will be placing firm boundaries and standing your ground. Okay, I can't put up a boundary that that they just run over constantly. If so, I didn't have any power to put the boundary up. <laughs> so if you're with people that will not respect your boundary, then what you need to do is empower yourself to where, okay, I can't control whether or not I leave right now and live somewhere else because I can't financially do that. But I can control whether I go up to my room and shut the door, whether I take a walk. If you talk to me like, like that, I'm going to leave for a half hour. And, and hopefully you have the power to be able to do that. Once you are not an easy mark, not stroking their ego or making excuses for them, they will quickly go for easier prey. If you have any doubt, step back for six months. You will find you are wrong. And this will be safe. Strong, dependable relationship and a strong friendship has developed. Or you will find they got over you pretty darn pretty darn quick and moved on oh wow <laughs> so back up back up if you have any uh hesitation in an early relationship just back up for a little while if it was meant to be it will be so we're going to look at the exercise now we're going to have an evaluation am i relationally addicted to a certain person number one feels magically feels magical and connected number two Feels like fairy tale with lots of attention and love and bombing. We're t- yeah, we're talking about the beginning of a relationship. Number three. Your fantasy thoughts of a healthy relationship are clouded your judgment and the real relationship. Mm-hmm. Number four. You are powerfully attracted to this person. Number five. You both obsess over each other. Six. You feel cherished. The reality is you are being controlled. Seven. You feel protected. Reality is you are trapped with constant attention. Eight. Your friends are being devalued. Nine. Offenses are being set up between you and the protector. Yeah, if you have protectors in your life, then this person's going to set up offenses and uh, make sure that they cut them out of your life so that they cannot defend you. Number 10. Your friends warn of red flags. Mm, Yeah, if your friends don't like this person, back up. 11. You can't follow through with your own decisions when you are with them. So you know exactly what to do. And then when you get in front of them, you open your mouth and different words come out. You're in a toxic relationship. Number 12. You break up and go back often. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. So now what does it look like if I'm stuck? Okay, I'm stuck. Number one. Euphoric. Euphoric recall of past love bombing. Well, that's what I'm doing to myself. As soon as I get a little freedom, I'm like, aw. Number two. 
Romanticizing the good and forgetting the bad. Number three. Unable to follow through with any decision. Number four. They start making decisions for you. Number five. Loss of your own identity. Number six. Loss of control. You have been moved like a puppet. Number seven. Roller coaster emotions. All up and down. Number eight. Push pull per- behavior. Come here. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> so you want them? You don't want them. You want them? You don't want them. It's very confusing. Number nine. Fear of letting go. Mm-hmm. Number ten. Overly focusing. Overly focused on pleasing the other to the point of walking on eggshells and lots of compromising compromises to appease the other. Eleven. Your opinions will be reshaped. Twelve. You are powerless to leave. You know when you're powerless to get up and walk away that you're you're stuck. You're stuck. You're locked in. Number thirteen. Stay for crumbs of attention, waiting for the love bombing to return. Often, Will, we will stay for a crumb just to think that, okay, if I just hang in there, that cycle will go back around and I'll I'll get the attention and the love that I need. And they know that. So after a point of abuse, verbal abuse, financial abuse, physical abuse, they will throw you a few crumbs and love bomb you again, and you'll be right back on the hook. Um, So saying that they're sorry without... Um, plans to go and get therapy and help and change is not sorry. Number 14. You hear yourself making a lot of excuses. This is called gaslighting yourself. Oh, yeah. You, you, you stop trusting your own instincts, and now you're like telling yourself that you don't know what you're doing. They have been shifting your reality, and it is difficult to clearly see the truth. Everything is confusing. Your anxiety is high and difficult to manage. Often you paralyzed often you are paralyzed to make any decision you want to leave wait you want to stay (laughs) you don't know what you want you're just totally paralyzed so i want you to know that if you're in a relationship that's extremely confusing with a lot of anxiety and you're waking up rationalizing with an irrational person you need to start untangling yourself you need to start doing this healing work so this next section under the application is how to escape this how to do your own healing work number one heal your inner self yeah Name those wounds. I feel abandoned. I feel neglected. I feel betrayed. I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm not seen. I'm not heard. I'm not loved. And start recognizing where those wounds started and how long you felt those. Maybe they started when you were seven. Number two. Know what you want in your partner. Yeah, if I know what I want before I get in a relationship, then I can be patient enough to see if this is the right person. Number three. Know what you will and will not tolerate. Number four. Understanding relationship addiction patterns. Yes, we have to understand these patterns. Number five. Have strong, healthy boundaries. Six. Say no often. Build your own identity. You know, lots of times, well, I will say no, and then I will say yes, because if I'm not free to say no, I'm not free to say yes. So I want to say no to see if my boundaries are respected, particularly early in a relationship. And if they are, then I can say I can say yes. I can say yes five minutes later, an hour later, the next day. But I want to have the right to be able to always say no. Number seven. Push back on any dominance. Yes. Number eight. Correct any immature victim mentally on Men- both sides. Mentality. Mentality on both sides. Yeah. So if you're acting like a victim, that's an insecure attachment, and you're never going to be able to, to attach safely. It's always going to be a dance. A victim's going to be with a... Um, a controller, a people pleaser is going to be with an avoider, and there's going to be this unhealthy dance where you just don't feel like there's a connection there. Number nine. 
Accept responsibility for your actions. Okay, you can't fix somebody else. And what I see a lot in these toxic relationships is the kids will come to me and they'll be like, but if he would change. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If you would change. <laughs> we can't fix him. He's not standing in front of me. You're the one standing here. We got to work on you. What could you do? Okay, so, and then I'll get a, okay, I need to tell him, da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, you need to tell you. <laughs> so one time I was, um, I had been playing my violin for years and I, at night before I'd go to bed I was playing my violin and I had left my loved one in the streets and I was really tormented but if I played my violin was playing hymns to the Lord um, I would wake up with beautiful music in my life in my mind instead of with a lot of torment and so that day I, it was called I Surrender All was the hymn I was playing and I remember getting up and being in the shower the next morning and I thought okay soon as he emails, I'm going to tell him, he has to surrender. And I clearly heard God say, uh-uh, you're the one that has to surrender. <laughs> and it was another 10 years before he got sobriety. But I was the one that had to surrender. So I started working on me and my ability to surrender, Num number 10. Don't make yourself too available. Mm -hmm. Wait a little bit before you answer that text and see if they have a total meltdown. <laughs> number 11. Don't answer texts quickly and see if that person has meltdown or if they disrespect if they're disrespectful of your time. Number twelve. Voice your opinions and see if they are respected or reshaped. Number thirteen. Be slow to make decisions. Be slow to make decisions. Don't make any decisions quickly. Like, don't quickly move in with somebody. Don't quickly get married. Don't quickly enmesh with finances, co-sign loans. Don't quickly do any of this stuff. Because if I'm not content alone, I will never be content with another person. So I need you to work on your own internal contentment. So here we go. If you work on healing, on your healing, you will likely be too much work for one with the motive of a place and they will move on. If they are in three to four relationships a year, they are toxic and addicted to the chase. If they always cheated on their past partners, they may likely they may they may like the as the stability of a solid relationship but get bored and need outside sources of attention to supply their ego. They may experience no remorse and have no conscience awareness of how they are hurting their partner. Also a person with trauma is usually restless and struggles to even settle down in one relationship. So if you are already started having an affair, instead of breaking up with your partner in a responsible manner, they may become offended over trivial things and be irritable. This is a chess move of blame shifting. That way, if they are caught, well, you made them unhappy in the relationship and they can just blame you for everything. It was your fault for not paying attention to them. So there is toxic behaviors, toxic games, toxic blame shifting, and you'll know it by the confusion and anxiety and the lack of stability. So in conclusion to this lesson. In relationships, just as in scuba diving, you can get confused on not knowing which way is up or down. The advice of a scuba, scuba instructor is not to panic but to set still, and soon you will see which way the bubbles are going. Bubbles always float up. Then you will know which direction to go safely. So, in relationships, if you are confused, sit still. Don't make any quick decisions. Calm down. Calm your anxiety or even your need to be in the relationship and sit quietly. You will soon know which way is up.
So if you escaped a toxic relationship and now are grieving, the love bombing stage is a nice memory. This is called euphoric recall. Beware as time passes, you may forget the bad and only remember the good. This is called romanticizing the past. So instead, I want you to make a, a stink list or a trouble list. And I want you to write out all the toxic behaviors of this relationship and, and post it somewhere where you can read it every day. So that when they're uh, playing a victim, when they're wanting the nurturer to come out in you, when they're wanting to come back and love bomb you with a few gifts, you can have that trouble list in front of you and you can think, <laughs> I done been around this bush. I know here he goes and it lands in the same place every time. So give the confusion and the anxiety of this relationship a toxicity level between one and ten. One to two would be, you know, normal health normal healthy conflict. You can resolve it pretty quickly. A ten, a nine or a ten would be, oh my goodness, I have to run for my life when when they get that bad. <laughs> so we want to, um, often escaping the relationships makes us feel like we've been stabbed in the back and leaves our hearts sliced open and we will be forever changed. So t this will make you wiser and drive you back to the toxic or drive you back to the toxicity of relationship addiction patterns to develop enabler rescuing behaviors and repeat this cycle multiple times throughout your lifespan. These relationships are very difficult to end. This is called relationship addiction. So one time I was working with a, a ladies group and this lady was uh, just really hammering me wanting me to give her money to for first month, last month, and down payment on this apartment because she was being abused in this relationship. And uh, she wasn't being violently abused. She was just being yelled at a lot And because um, I quizzed her on that. Otherwise, I would have helped her got to a shelter. But I said, okay, so uh, how many times have you been married? And she said, three. And I said, so how many abusive relationships have you been in? And she says, oh, at least 10. And I said, so it, it doesn't matter if I get you out of this one. If I get you out of this one, you'll just pick up another one. So we have to work on us, Will, so that we're healthy and whole and we can attract healthy and whole people. And we have to work on our self-control and on our patience to wait for a relationship to develop so we know if it's a healthy one or not. So, pray us out of here. Lord, help me to recognize your voice. Yes, Lord. Help me discern good from evil, right from wrong, healthy from toxic. Help me to be content alone and to be able to sit quietly in your presence and let you feel me with your presence. We love you. Give me the strength and courage and understand to protect my heart with all of the diligence. I love you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, Will, for your help. And this was the Rocker Recovery. This was Chapter 3, Lesson Number 3 on the Rocker Recovery Relationship Addictions. You can listen to it again on our Rocker Recovery podcast.